0: Over 20 years into South Africa's democracy, questions remain on how far the country's citizens have come in terms of reconciliation and addressing the economic and social imbalances of the past. What can be concluded from various studies undertaken and analysing where South Africa is today is that the country continues to deal with the consequences of what was the repressive apartheid regime. These consequences can be felt not only politically politically socially or economically but also psychologically uh, Dr. Kesi is a senior lecturer in the Department of Psychology at UCT her research centers around uh, amongst others community-based empowerment and social change particularly exploring how issues of identity such as race, class and gender impact on people's participation in transformation efforts and she joins us in studio thank you very much uh, Dr. Kesi for making time to uh, be part of this journey that we are walking
1: this is a very close link between um, how apartheid became legitimized um, in society and in our minds and the origin, the origins of psychology as a discipline. Early psychological works around uh, intelligence testing um, were very much about categorizing people into lower and higher races. Mm. And so psychology as a discipline was very instrumental in doing that because they provided... S- this so-called scientific proof that we could have a lower race and a higher race, Mm. okay? And this was done through intelligence testing mainly, but also all kinds of psychometric tests. So it gave a way to legitimize in people's minds why white people should be superior and should control and invade and oppress and dominate um, black people. So I'm putting it very crudely, but, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so there was a very close link between psychology and apartheid, and our, you know, the first prime minister of the apartheid regime was himself a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was that power of persuasion um, that we are living the effects of now. Mm. You know, people people's minds were shaped in a way to understanding these differences these differences between races although we live in a democratic country with a constitution the real the real kind of material differences are there and so the psychological impact is still very much alive mm. and i think we mustn't also forget that It was repressed violently. You know, people organizing and claiming dignity and um, resisting Mm -hmm. the system. It was very much shut down um, in very violent ways. So it's not as though people were just passive and didn't do anything. But when they did do stuff, it was very violently shut down.
0: There has been this sentiment expressed by some, and specifically some white people, To say no, but get over it. That's a long time ago.
1: Yeah.
0: Or or dismissing what you're saying because you're black and because you're stating certain uncomfortable truths.
1: Yeah.
0: How does one bridge that divide, or is there a need to also look at the psyche of those who believe this is just rubbish and we must get over it?
1: Yeah, that's a really tough question. I mean, I think it's difficult for anybody in a position of privilege to give up their privilege there's going to be a lot of resistance around giving up privilege mm. and part of that privilege is giving up in in a psych- and you know a psychological definition or a psy- psychological explanation would be part of giving up that privilege is giving up something about your sense of self and self-identity and how you see mm. yourself mm. so a lot of the thinking around colonization apartheid is is to maintain this positive self identity of being white because it's positive because you are better than Mm. Um, and so when when uh, white people resist I think it's avoidance uh, in terms of giving up privilege it's avoidance in terms of not wanting to feel guilty or responsible Um, So I think also it's, to be fair, a difficult position to be in Mm. because if you start acknowledging and taking responsibility for your position in society, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for what you should do next? Mm. I mean, do we stay and continue uh, living in the same kind of um relational context mm. what 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 does a white south african do
0: south africans are having a conversation right now influenced by many things um, whether it be the back of penny sparrow uh, kumalo chris hart uh, the debates happening on on our various um higher learning institutions mm. and uh, uh, when you, when you listen to some of the conversations there are being had from an emotional place emotional place of course driven by what one has lived or what one is resisting in that context, are we able to honestly have the conversation without the emotions?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question, actually, because it, it points to to something about how we rationalize and how we can enter a dialogue. And often we view emotion and rationality as separate things. Mm. Um. And you know, given our conversation about psychology and science, has painted a these things have painted a picture of you know this white rational person mm. and the black emotional person, and and that's very problematic. Yeah, um, because it's stereotypical, but also it assumes that there's something about rationality. Um, that is superior to emotion. Mm. And I think emotions can actually give a, a a different understanding to what the issues are. Yeah, I think that we're still a very young democracy and we still have to learn what it means, all of us, to be in a constitutional democracy. And for some of the the happenings on campuses uh, in the past or since the beginning of the year, I would say, and even during the course of last year, I- I there are tensions um, that sometimes are, are difficult to explain and sometimes reminiscent of the past. I would say that, you know, in in places like UCT or other historically white universities where, where Students and black staff and black students are operating in an institutional culture um, of racism or racialism, mm. right? So, so this is the culture is still very white, and now we've seen with the with the removal of roads. It's almost a year ago now, mm. and with the recent events um, around the burning of artworks we can see that there's an urgency among students and it's almost like roads came down and then what? Mm. What about all the paintings? What about all the, the buildings that need to be renamed? What about um, our curriculum? Um, research practices? Accommodation for black students? I mean all of these things need to be addressed. And I think what we're seeing is a angry reaction on campuses because people are saying, we cannot wait anymore. Mm. It has to happen now. Mm. I also want to understand um, why destroying institutions or buildings is, um, makes sense to those students
0: how does a white person who believe that they are superior who marvels in their privilege who finds this discussion to be annoying how does one even begin to bring them into the conversation or even start to have them acknowledge the need for this conversation to happen and for them to be part of it.
1: I think that one of the things that white people must realize is that South Africa is changing. South Africa will change with or without them. And so it's much more, um, it would be much better for them (laughs) to get on board, right? (laughs) Um, and I and I don't know how much time we need to convince them of that. I think they'll experience it. Mm. I think that this is happening on our campuses. You know, white academics will have to get on board when they start feeling that they're becoming irrelevant. Mm. So when our curriculum changes to the extent that they cannot teach what students are wanting to mm. learn. Mm. Um, And so they'll have to to become educated in a different curriculum a different approach Mm. um, because otherwise they become irrelevant and i think we don't need to persuade them of that i think it's going to happen it would be better if they got on board now Mm. but i think that in itself is complicated given the racial dynamics Mm. We, um, there's there's a group of black academics at UCT called the Black Academic Caucus. And we held a silent protest on campus. And we invited people to join us. So some of the white academics joined us. And we had placards. And the placards were about all forms of violence that are happening, you know. Structural violence, institutional violence, police violence, um, physical, emotional violence. And one of the responses from a black academic seeing the protest was, well, I wanted to join your protest, but I didn't. Because that same white academic who was part of it has also been violent towards me. Ooh. And so it's, it's that very complex um, dialogue that needs to happen. Whereas we, how can we bring white people into this discussion without alienating and marginalizing blacks? Mm.
0: Do campaigns like social cohesion work or do we need to dig much deeper than we're meeting in a room we are discussing this, we're putting out tweets, we're putting out flyers, calling on people to uh, get along.
1: I would say cohesion for whom? Because often these types of campaigns, the effect that they have is to pacify. Um, And If we, you know, dealing, disrupting racism, I think it is going to be a violent process. We're constantly faced with these images of black students as criminals, as violent, as irresponsible. Even though what they're doing is trying to transform Mm. the spaces they are Mm. in. Mm. And then we have this one incident, which was extremely violent in comparison, Mm. where these... White students are beating up black students. And I just get a sense that it's not framed in the same way. As South Africans,
0: what responsibility do we have or what can we even start doing um, in, in, in moving forward responsibly, if at all, on this issue? What is at risk if we don't collectively find a way
1: I think one of the things we need is to demand leadership. Uh, We need to demand responsible leadership. Um, I can talk about universities because that's what I know. Um, And I think one thing I've learned from the student movement is that there's certain things we can have a dialogue about, but there's certain things we cannot. We cannot have a dialogue about black people's dignity. Mm. That is a given. Um, So we can't have a dialogue about um, whether the statue should go or not, whether the paintings should go or not. The dialogue starts at the point where, what should we put in places, in place of the statue? What should we put in place of the paintings? So that's the point of departure. I think we need a new point of departure.
0: The psychology of apartheid, the psychological effects of apartheid, and how all of this actually relates to what we are dealing with right now in South Africa and how we can confront our future. It is confronting racism. Thank you very much for tuning in.